Take your Bibles, please, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 this morning. That's where we're going to begin. What were you thinking? I wish I had a nickel for every time I was asked that in my life. I wish I had a nickel for every time I asked myself that in my life. But you know, it's very important that we understand what we are thinking. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind. In fact, in Philippians chapter 4, we read these words. We read these words. <laughs> Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, says this, King James, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Let me paraphrase that for you in a Townsend translation. You're not what you think you are, but what you think you are. And it is very, under, very important that we recognize that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Some minds are different than others. Have you thought about a teenage mind? Well, I don't want to get into it. The philosopher, Donald Duck, says this. Let's get this straight. I did not lose my mind. It ran away screaming in the opposite direction. Maybe you have felt that way. But yet the scripture helps us recognize that we are to use our minds in such a way that we grow in Christ and we glorify God. I have two purposes this morning. My first purpose is this, and this is why we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want us to discover four scriptural truths about our minds. And then we are going to go to 1 Peter. And I want us to discover four Peter principles that will help us think properly. Are you in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? Let me begin, please, with verse 14. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, that's discernment, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The first scriptural truth that I want you to understand this morning is that God has given to us the mind of his son in order for us to think properly. We will see in just a minute out of Philippians chapter 2, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. But you and I have been given by the Spirit of God the ability to discern and to think properly. That was why Jesus said his Spirit came in John chapter 14. 
Jesus reminds us that it is the Spirit that brings all things to our remembrance. Two chapters later, he tells us that it is the Spirit that teaches us all things. And we have that by the mind of Christ. So you of I who know God and have received his Son as our personal Savior ought to be able to think properly because we have the mind of Christ. Amen? Isn't that great news? And even when I ask myself, what were you thinking? I come back to the truth that God, by his Spirit, helps me to think properly if I would just pay attention. There is a second spiritual truth. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Will you please? Ephesians chapter 4. And you will want to study these on your own, and I'm only giving you a, a real quick look at these scriptural truths. Ephesians chapter 4. Let me begin with verse 17. Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futilities of their minds. Now, I want you to notice a contrast here between how Gentiles, unbelievers, think and how believers are supposed to think. Verse 18, they, the Gentiles, the unbelievers, are darkened in their understanding. It's the minds. Alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance. You notice another mind word there? Because of their ignorance that is in them. Because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their hearts. I think it's interesting here that Scripture attaches ignorance, improper thinking, vanity in minds to hardness of hearts. Verse 19. They have been ca become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20. But this is not the way you learned, mind. This is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt and deceitful desire. That's the self that reflects the futile, ignorant thinking of unsaved people. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, verse 23, and put on... The new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Did you notice a contrast there? Scripture tells us that in our lives we must understand that an indication that we're saved is how we think. An indication that we are in Christ involves our hearts. They've been softened to the gospel. And that then translates into proper thinking in our lives. We're not what we think we are, but what we think <laughs> we are. There's a third truth that I want us to understand. Romans chapter 12. Familiar passage of Scripture. I appeal to you, verse 1, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, 
which is your spiritual service. Now stop right there. Paul says, this is what I want for you. This is what I long for you. This is the best for you. John writes in 1 John, in fact, ends his first epistle with this. I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. Amen? This is the best thing going. Now, how do you do that? Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. That's the Gentiles, unbelieving, thinking thing that we read about in Ephesians chapter 4. But be transformed. How? By proper thinking, renewing of your mind that you may prove, that you may discern, that you may think properly and know what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Verse 3 we usually leave out. Look at it with me, will you please? For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has designed. Did you see thinking in that third verse? You understand that? As Tom Grave would said a couple of weeks, you with me? It's important that we understand the need to renew our minds. This is not just a one-time action and it's over. You ever have trouble controlling your thought life? Something just pop in there? And you don't know what triggered it, you don't know where it came from, but it's there? And all of a sudden, you got to deal with it. That's the renewing process. Every day in our lives, we need to make sure we're not conforming ourselves to the way the world thinks. But we're renewing of our mind and that we are allowing our minds to think according to the measure of faith that God's given to us. Amen? We need to renew our mind. Now turn to that Philippians chapter 2 that I said we were going to. Philippians chapter 2. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Gentiles eat pork chops. That came from Jim Momeyer. Philippians chapter 2. Let me start with verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, here we go about the mind. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant from yourself. Stop right there. Where does our love for others begin? With our mind. Where does our concern for others start? With our And folks, it's not about you, it's not about me. 
It's Jesus, others, and I'm in a distant last place. And frankly, if that were true of the body of Christ, the outside world would have a complete different understanding of what we're all about. Well, I better get back to the scripture, otherwise I'm going to start meddling here. Verse 4. Let each of you look not on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. How does that happen? Verse 5. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Remember we said we had the mind of Christ? This is how we work it out. Christ Jesus, what was his mind? Who? Though he was in the form of God, did not count it equality with did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Now stop right there. You see what Jesus did? He had rights. He was the son of God. He lived in heaven. He was the lamb to come to take away the sin. It was all about it, right? I mean, that was who he was. And what did he say? The matter, not my will but thine be done. It's not about what I want. In fact, that was his prayer in the garden, wasn't it? Now, he knew what that meant. He understood what it was to give himself and to empty himself and to become the, the servant and obedient to death, even the death. He understood that. And what did he say? It's okay because that's God's will. And I want nothing more than God's will. In our lives, if we are to do it, we must empty ourselves of who we are because none of us are anything. We have no rights. It's all about God's will in our lives. Amen? Hmm? It's not what I want. It's what God wants. It's not what I like. It's what God likes. It's not who I am. It's who God is. And I am only here to further his kingdom, not mine. Let this be mind be in you. And how was it how was it reflected? He didn't look on his own interests, verse four. But he looked on the interests of others. And aren't you thankful he did? Aren't you thankful he went to the cross and shed his precious blood in payment for our sins? Because that's the only way we would have a relationship with God. If it weren't for that, you and I'd still be offering animal sacrifices that could never take away sin. But this man, the lamb, came and offered himself a sacrifice and then sat down once and for all because he completed God's plan. And we reflect that by emptying ourselves and making it all about God. So here are the scriptural truths. We have the mind of Christ. Amen? Isn't that great? 
An indication of that we're in Christ is how we think. We need renewing in our minds, constant renewing in our minds. We're not what we think we are, but what we think we are. In order to do it, we got to empty ourselves and recognize our example is Jesus Christ. So we've made a complete circle. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. Will you please? 1 Peter chapter 1. That's just the introduction. 1 Peter chapter 1. I want to give you four Peter principles that will help us think properly. And I want to do this out of verse 13. I printed it on the screen and I want us to read it together. Because it's an important truth. All right? We'll do it just like we do our memory verses. We'll start with the reference, 1 Peter 1.13. Then we'll read the verse. Then we'll finish with the reference, all right? Here we go. 1 Peter 1.13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1.13. Now, did you notice how that starts? Therefore. And every time there's a therefore, we look to see what it's. Now, we won't take the time to look in the preceding verses, but it is there because we have been reminded of our salvation, our relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We have been saved, and it makes a difference because we are to live out our faith with love and joy, because we have an inheritance incorruptible, and because we have experienced God's grace in our lives. Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. We need to mind our minds. (laughs) You ever get caught daydreaming? (laughs) I remember sitting in class. It's a nice day outside. And I wanted to be any place but sitting in a classroom. And I would just let my mind wander. And I remember at least one time my wandering being interrupted by the professor. How inconsiderate. (laughs) But he wanted me to be engaged. He wanted me to be connected. He wanted me to understand that there was something that I needed to learn and recognize so that I could be growing in our lives. I mentioned earlier, how did the choir do? They do well this morning? Huh? Amen? You guys are doing well this morning. But it's all about minding our minds. It's about engaging. I'm glad it's dreary and weary outside. Nobody wants to go out in that stuff, Right? But we need to mind our minds. We need to prepare our minds. And it does take preparation. You probably receive by email a bulletin and a copy of the notes that are coming on Sunday. I trust that you prepare your mind, your heart, for what's going to happen here at Calvary Baptist Church. We need to get ready. The word mind that is 
translated here has the idea of reflecting, thinking. We don't spend enough time sitting and thinking, do we? We don't spend enough time meditating, thinking on these things. And it's an imperative. You see, the reality is that good thoughts bring good actions. And if we will prepare our minds, then we won't get caught up in what is unhealthy for us. Keep your finger here in 1 Peter 1 and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4, will you please? Verse 1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh... Here it is. Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Huh? For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There have been times I just don't want to think about it. (laughs) There are times that I want to sit at home and turn on the idiot box. And just veg. And frankly, I do that occasionally. Probably more often than I should. But I cannot afford to veg in this culture. Because I have an adversary. The devil. Who plays with my mind. Now he doesn't indwell me. But he is strong enough to influence me. And I need to prepare my mind. I need to mind my mind. Why? Because I need that discipline. The mind is instructed for discipline. Not only do I mind my mind, but I need to be instructed for discipline in my life. Did you read it here? Preparing your minds for action. King James, gird up the loins of your minds. It was a cultural understanding that we need to roll up our sleeves and get to work because there's a job God has called us to do. And you and I need to understand that that job God has called us to do begins up here. Do you remember how we are to put on the whole armor of God? That we might be able to fight against the wiles of the devil? Do you remember what the first instruction is in the armor of God? It's the belt of truth. Why did they put on the belt of truth? Because it's what held everything together. And when they wanted to move quickly, they would gather their garments, tuck them in the belt of truth, and be prepared for action. When the Israelites got ready to leave the Passover, in Exodus chapter 12, they fastened their belts and their sandals were on, their staffs were ready, and they took off. Can, can you imagine after the Passover, the death angel passing, Pharaoh saying, get out of here. People saying, oh, I'm not quite ready. I got some house cleaning to do. 
I got some other things that need my attention. Jesus tells a parable in Luke chapter 12. It's a parable about a wedding feast. And it's the servants who are watching for the groom to come. And Jesus says, stay dressed for action because you don't know when the groom's coming for the wedding. You know, we don't know when Jesus is coming, do we? But we better be ready. And that's the same responsibility we have in disciplining ourselves. For we are instructed for discipline in our lives to be prepared. Matthew Henry put it this way. You have a journey to go, a race to run, a warfare to accomplish, and a great work to do as the traveler, the racer, the warrior, the laborer. Gather in and gird up the long and loose garments that they may be more ready, prompt, and expeditious in their business. So do you by your minds, your inner man, and affections, seated there, gird them, gather them in. Let them not hang loose, neglected about you. Restrain their extravagances. Let the loins or strength and vigor of your minds be exerted in your duty. Disengage yourselves from all that would hinder you. And go on resolutely in your obedience preparing our minds, instructed for discipline. We need to mind our minds. We need to be instructed for discipline. And there is a third practical application in our lives. We need to understand there's no messing around. Did you read it here in verse 13? Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober no messing around. Peter will tell us in 1 Peter chapter 5, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may discover. You see, our minds are not based on our emotion, how we feel. But they are based on clear thinking, on truth. A recognition that there is an adversary. Not only should we have a disciplined mind, but we should also have a sober mind. The word means to be calm, steady, controlled, to weigh matters. The fact that Christ is coming should encourage us to be calm and collected. The fact that Satan is on the prowl is another reason to be sober-minded. Anyone whose mind becomes undisciplined and whose life falls apart does not really understand God's purpose and God's plan. Be sober-minded. And that's no messing around. There's a fourth truth. And that is this. We need to be determined to live by hope and by grace. Isn't that what Peter says? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hope, that consistent, 
constant comforting that God has given to us because we know he's in control and we recognize that we can trust him. Grace, God giving to us what we do not deserve for life and living. Grace comes with hope. Grace confides in hope. Grace carries hope. Set your mind, your affection, Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, on things above, not on things of the earth. When the outlook is gloomy, try looking up. (laughs) You see, we are to mind our minds. We are instructed to discipline. No messing around, and the determination is hope and grace in our lives. Amen? God's grace. Warren Rearsby said, the result of this spiritual mind, this mindset, is that the believer experiences the grace of God in his life. To be sure, we will experience grace when we see Jesus Christ, but we can also experience grace today as we look for him to return. We have been saved by grace. We depend moment by moment on God's grace. Looking for Christ to return strengthens our faith and hope in difficult days. And this imparts us to have more grace. The grace of God. So, what were you thinking? (laughs) Whatsoever things are, think on these things. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we have the mind of Christ. Amen? And God has given to us the recognition that as we reflect the mind of Christ, it indicates that we are in Christ, not like Gentiles. We need renewing. And we need to do it. Let this mind be in us, which was also Christ Jesus. And we need to, according to Peter, mind our minds. (laughs) Because he's given us instruction for discipline. And there's no messing around. And it's all determined to give us more hope and more grace. Again, I wish I was given a nickel for every time someone asked me, my mom, my wife, (laughs) what were you thinking? I've discovered a good response to Connie when she asked me that. I wasn't. Just admit it. You know, I wasn't. But someday, folks, we're going to get to glory. And at glory, we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ. And I don't know how that's going to work. But I do know I'll have to give an account. And it may be What will be front and center is this question. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your faithfulness and the opportunity we have to mind our minds.
Lord, work in our hearts. Use us today for your glory. And may we be sensitive to your spirit who guides and directs us into truth, brings things to our remembrance. And may the mind of Christ dwell richly in each day of our lives. For it's in his name we pray.